In Tune with Naledi Maleo on SAFM. All right, it's quarter past 12. I'm joined now on the line by Kamukhelo Mangena, who is an activist, a part-time male feminist, a thought leader, youth activist, and a student from Timali. Timali being the Tabombeki African Leadership Institute. Kamu, good afternoon. Welcome to Inchune. Thank you, Asna Lida. How are you? I'm great. It's good to have you with us. Always great. Great. Uh, Lies Amfana, a University of Free State fallist. Liza, welcome to Inchune. Hi, lady. Thank you for having me. So, fallist can be a designation now. You can you can carry that and say, I am a fallist. Yeah, yeah, it's an actual thing. No, explain it to me. Explain it to me. So, fallism, basically. Liza, you're in a very windy place. I need you to settle down. I can't hear anything you're saying. You're in a very windy place. I can't hear anything you're saying. Try again. Liza. Okay. We're going to have to try and get Liza back. Kamu's still on the line, though. Kamu, you're a part-time male feminist. That's interesting. <laughs> yes, I am. Explain that to me. Um, I think uh, me being a male feminist, a part-time male feminist, for that matter, is um, within our movements, in whatever that we want to bring, to bring equality, to bring fairness, in whatever that we want to we continuously have to uh, meet challenges that I sometimes do agree with my fellow feminists and there are some that I do not agree. So me being a male feminist at that time for that matter is because of the most things that I believe I do agree and uh, some of them I do not agree with. Yeah. How did you spend the 16th of December? I spent it at home. Mm. <laughs> I spent it at home. I uh, caught up on some reading. I was doing some reading and quite reflecting it with all my cousins and my young brothers just to see if indeed we should be celebrating this day. And, and, and you came to what conclusion? I want to follow this thought process. Should we be celebrating the 16th of December? I think I am quite ambivalent about um, the answer to that. Um can either be a yes or no. Mm. Simply because looking at 2016, which brought us some sort of racial hatred and so much Muslims that has caught up our country, there's a lot that you actually need to understand that we are not yet a nation. It seems like Utata Mandela's dream to the rainbow nation is just a fallacy. And I feel personally that we need to recover. We are combustible. You know, we have not yet recovered. Mm. We need to dwell on such conversations. And for that to happen, we need a re-emergence or an emergence of a young leader who would be able to take and to build this project and make it their own. And of course, yes, in a sense that we have come a long way to look at what has been achieved in the 20 years of freedom that we've been. I mean, indeed, we have so much to celebrate and be proud of. Mm. It's interesting mm. you talk about this, this role that a young leader has to play, and I wonder what what role that would be in in, in fostering reconciliation in 2016 and, and beyond, right? And I'm going to bring this one to Liza, because you're the fallist, and we've seen the advent of fallism for the past two years, and we wonder, you know, is this where you're taking us? Is that leading to reconciliation? Where are we going with this? 
first and foremost, reconciliation is a concept that we should even be discussing in, in, in 2016, especially along racial lines. Mm. Because you must understand that for two parties to be able to reconcile, they must be equally matched in, in all aspects, whether it be economic, socially, and all other aspects that, de- that determine life. So if we are now going to want to foster reconciliation between uh, blacks and whites, it, it won't be possible because of, of the economic divide that, that currently exists. So I think what, what we should first be looking into is how do we uh, appropriate the means of production redistribute them accordingly and equitably across the entire nation. And then from there, we will have groups of people who are, first of all, willing to reconcile. Because there can never be reconciliation without redress and justice. Now, you see, I I think that that's that's a very large conversation, right? And that goes back down to uh, policy and and, and greater kind of macro ideas of where we're going as a country. I wonder, though... You know, as a young person and as a young leader, I mean, you're an, you're an SRC member at the University of the Free State as well. You're an active young man. So what, what are the responsibilities that you carry in trying to get there then, if that is your destination, towards even before we even discuss reconciliation? Um, I think, first of all, this is, this is where my sister uh, falls and then becomes so, so, uh, so needed and so... It becomes a priority to, 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 to push the fullest agenda. Because w- what I'm saying is that what happened in 94 was, was a, a pulling of wool over the, the eyes of a black man. Because when, when we said that, that apartheid has now been abolished, we are doing away with apartheid and we are moving towards a socially, uh, uh, together country. It, it, it wasn't looked into in depth. And now it then becomes impossible for me as a young leader in 2016 to even speak on politics of reconciliation because they are not relevant. I feel like the, the, the liberation movement that the ANC spearheaded should have been concluded in three phases, which is first political freedom, then economic freedom, then after that social cohesion as well as reconciliation. Yeah. So now what they did is they put us in a very awkward position because they, they, they moved from stage one to stage three without actually addressing stage two, which was the economic sector of the entire liberation movement. This then means that as, as, as young people of this current time, we have to then go back and finish that economic freedom project, that, that economic redress project. Mm. Then from there, we can move towards a place of reconciliation and, and, and collective living. Because you must also understand that because of the economic power that uh, the, the, the white people in the country have, it... it, it, it Create a situation where they see black people as non-beings. They see us as black people as sub-beings. And you can never effectively reconcile or even live together with someone who you, you don't recognize as a person. Yeah, Kamal, let me bring you in on this. And I, I wonder if you, if you hold the same views that, that Liza does. That we, we're nowhere near the point where we can even start addressing or talking about reconciliation because of inequality in the country. Um, are we a generation that is too angry to even start looking at how we get to reconciliation? I definitely concur with those sentiments. Mm. You know, you played a song of Tandi Samazwai, mm. and something that stands out there is that, you know, at the heart of the hope that burns eternal in our townships is resilience. Now, this is the resilience of people who have seen, who have heard, who have experienced everything that you can ever think of. Mm. Now, the Stories of our young people also tell the 
cost of resilience, the self-image better daily by self-doubt or by not fitting in into the societal norms. But what kind of happenings that been transpiring here is that what happened to our generation is that we never really grew up. We seem to be disgusted with, with ourselves because mm. we think we should be better by now. We are always and even desperately seeking a way out through growth. We sabotage, we obsess, we attack, we even overeat. But the practice of forgiveness continues to be one of the most important contributions to the healing of the world. Angry people can never create a peaceful planet. So it would take an emergence of a young leader who has got a cool head, who has steady hands. And I'd like to make reference to before 1994, Nelson Mandela attuned this task of reconciliation to Ubabdudu because... At the time, Archbishop Desmond Dudu was the right person to do that. He drove through the system of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Mm. And I think as South, as South African, it was something to be proud of, although it had its misgivings because not everything was addressed and it actually intended to focus on individuals than looking at the system as a whole. But... Indeed, we should be part of that. And I really commend South Africans who, without being privileged, they still hope for a better tomorrow. At the end of the day, the real victors of our democracy are those who, after being marginalized, they continue to seek solutions and to seek revenge. Mm. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's an interesting viewpoint that you share, though, Kamo, you know. And mm. I think that to a certain extent, and this is the view that's been shared over and over again, that to some extent our generation is also spoiled, right? That mm-hmm. um, if no. we were... No, no, no let, let me finish. Let me, let me make my point, and then I'll, I'll give you an opportunity. Uh, there's, okay. there's the argument that if we were living in, in, in 1985, that our viewpoint would be different, that um, we have opportunities now that a lot of young people back then, or a lot more of us do now than they did over 22 years ago, and that at some point we need to start finding a way to build on that instead of, in fact, widening the divide between race and gender and, and wherever we're trying to build the bridges. What do you say about that, Gam? Um, I personally believe that let's fight a system, not a race. Mm. I think let's just start there. But growth, um, personality, is not always about getting what we think we want. Mm. It is always about becoming the men and women we have the potential to be. So at the end of the day, no matter the conversation that we have, we have to look at it at an objective way that serves to build rather than to retribute, mm. that seeks to create a peaceful generation, okay? Mm. So you would uh, see, I know, in our commentary, in our social media, the term uh, lost generation had been introduced into the lexicon. So how do you then become not surprised by this? I mean, what it seems like whatever we do, it seems to be influenced by this anger that Mm. we have towards us. And the better we deal with that anger, collectively so, amicably so, the better for the country, the better for everyone. Let's fight the system, not a race. Mm. I need to read this SMS and lies. I want you to respond to this one. Take everything from five million whites and you can and, and, and you save the fifty million blacks? Question mark, question mark, question mark. 
is this a well, one-sided discussion that we're having, Liza? I think, I think, uh, to, to your letter statement of 5 million rights, and it's, it, it's not as clear cut as that, ultimately, you know. Mm. When you, when you speak to, 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 uh, this generation being spoiled, I, I don't understand that concept because we, especially as black young people, we're a generation that has nothing, literally. We have no land, we have no connection to the means of production, we, we, we have no source of income, we have nothing. So I find it very impossible to claim that a generation is spoiled while the generation has nothing. But that is not the point. Mm. You must understand that these opportunities that you are speaking of, that we have in, in, in right numbers, that the capitalist system, the manner in which the capitalist system is built, it's built that you will need capital to do anything with meaning. You will need capital in order to be able to produce any meaningful type of income, any meaningful type of revenue, not just for yourself, for your community and your family as well. So now what happened in 94 is that uh, black people remain systematically excluded mm. from accessing the economy, from accessing the, the means of production, from accessing the land, from accessing the mineral resources. And then this created a situation over time where we were relegated to offerers of cheap labor. So we, we, we can never make use of these opportunities that, that, that you claim that we have at our disposal because in most cases, majority of the black population is systematically excluded through the need for capital to start anything. So without capital in this system, you, you are basically doomed. You have to, 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 to resort to, to underhanded methods to, to, get, to get money in, in, in order to be able to move forward. So even these opportunities that you speak of then become relatively useless because the, the, the people that they are supposed to be meant for can't even access them. So that is where I'm taking this argument from to say that the only reconciliation that really happened in 94 was reconciliation between the, the Pura nationalists who were the government of the time and the world economy. The only reason they decided to end apartheid and, 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 and to, to come up with this inclusive South Africa was not because for, for some reason their moral consciousness spoke to them. No, no, no. It was because of the sanctions that had been imposed on now, white people in the country no longer have the ability to trade freely. They no longer have the ability to, to participate in sports. They no longer have the ability to, to live their best white lives. Mm. Hence, they had to now restructure the, their system of racism. Because, don't, don't get me wrong, the system that we are living under currently, this is neo-apathy. It, it is still divisive. It, it still favors white, the white color skin over any other skin. It is still designed to cater for white people at the expense of black people. And in such conditions, there can never be any kind of reconciliation. Yeah, you see, that SMS that I read earlier, right, Liza, take everything from 5 million whites and you save the 50 million blacks, question mark, question mark. Um, yeah. It, it says a lot about the thinking of South Africans. And there's another one. Um, another one that says, if the black middle class outnumbers the white population, then there is no such thing as inequality. The black man needs to start taking responsibility and stop acting, uh, stop looking for reasons to blame. That's from Rayalt Turling. Rayalt, thanks for sending in that SMS. Um, you see, and, and this is this is my thing, though, right? Is I, I wonder yeah. if it's if it's if South Africans all have all see South Africa through the same eyes, if we, if we see inequality all through the same eyes, if we see the idea of reconciliation all through the same eyes, um, do we recognize that to some extent we may have romanticized this idea of a, reconcil of a reconciled South Africa, Liza? 
to, to a very large extent, and this is one. First, let me let me address the SMSs that that you were reading out. I think what what is underpinned or the under underlying factor of those SMSs and the people who send them is that they are they are they are speaking from a vantage point of privilege. Uh, you are very right when you say that we we view all these different concepts through different lenses. Mm. Because if 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 you are in Fenton in your high rise in Fenton, you can never see uh, uh, all these concepts the same way as I do being a rural boy from Eastern Cape. But now, that, that is not the issue. The issue here is that black people, as much as we might have more numbers as far as the middle class and whatever is concerned, but can we can we analyze this entire thing through ownership? Mm. 98% of the companies listed in the JSE are white-owned. Majority of, 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 of the mining companies listed in the South African Chambers of Mines are white-owned. But everything... Basically, on our my lady, everything in this country that produces profit, that produces revenue, that, that, that contributes to the economic growth of this country, the economy in its entirety, is white-owned. Uh, uh, close to 90% of the land, fertile land within this country, is owned by the, the, the small 10% of, see, but of, of, now, of white and, and I hear so, all of those points, Liza. My argument yeah. is between now and when and if those issues are resolved, what yes. then? Do we do, do we continue to, to to fight each other as South Africans and, and hear the word reconciliation and roll our eyes? Um, there was a, a woman I spoke to in Cape Town at the Restitution Conference. Now, I can't remember her name, but she wrote oh. a book called um, Everyday Restitution. So she has uh-huh. this idea of, of, of South Africans trying to find a way in the meantime to find their middle ground. Right? Before all of these issues are figured out. And Kamu, let me bring you in here. Is that, is that not a possibility for us to say, we, we, we can actually try and, and work towards a rainbow nation while we, we resolve all of those other issues? Is that, is that something that is really going to be impossible for us to do? Definitely not. I do believe that this is possible and we are halfway through there. Um, you see, if we are to transform this country, we need to work with a different identity, but first also recognizing the need and the challenges faced by this different identity. Often the conversation on reconciliation and restitution are reduced to a blame game rather than coming up with solutions. Mm. They're often one-sided, and people of color can never have views because, well, history. And we tend to totally blame everything on the so-called term whiteness. Mm. Now, we need to be honest that if indeed we are to blame this whiteness, everything being reduced, every argument, be it the crisis in education, in higher education, the crisis in jobs, the crisis in entrepreneurship, is being blamed on whiteness. Why haven't we then researched on how can we overcome whiteness? Mm. Now, this is a very important task that every young leader has to embark on. We need to alternatively resort to measures that intend to include rather than exclude. It is the failure of us, and even from my generation, that we are not taking the task to the question of reconciliation. We are not yet at the point where we want to open the scars because we feel that if we are to open the scars, 
everything else would just turn into doldrums. And when fear is expressed, we recognize it in anger, abuse, we become selfish. And very few of us were actually taught that we are essentially good. This is because to our bringing and, of course, to colonialism, which taught ourselves the inferiority complex that we have. So, yes, we can do, we can do that. We achieve that even when it was thought it would never be possible. So, yes. We can do okay, it, I and I know yeah, for no, sure Liza that we'll be able in. to do sure. that. Go ahead, Liza. I think, uh, to a large extent, my, my, my brother Kamode is living in a very idealistic world where everyone is willing to work together. But when we, when we actually conduct a thorough analysis and, and we speak to the reality of the matter, white South Africans have no will. When I open a lady, they have no will to meet us as black people halfway. We have been begging these people for the last 22 years, to the guys, can we have some of the land? Guys, can we, can we have some of the economy? Guys, can we do this? Can we do that? But the, the, the power structures and the people who actually have ownership currently have, have displayed on multiple occasions mm. that they do not want to change the status quo. They are fine with the way things are. And I think it, it, it speaks mostly to, to, to their battle for genetic survival because the, the continued survival of the white race is dependent on the, on the continued ex- exploitation of the black race. So if, 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 if we start viewing things on their realistic ma- manner and, 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 and stop living in, in, a, in a world that we wish it could be, because this is the same trap that Abu Ramaphosa and Abu Mandela and Abu Tabumbi fell into in 1994. Okay, let me do this, Liza, because I need to try and rein this in. Listen, I I need to try and rein this back in, because essentially what we're talking about here is the 16th of December. And we're talking about all the things that we have ideally been reflecting on over the past 24 hours or so. Um, And... And then there's the, the history of the day, right? The day of the vow, or Tingan's day, Tingansdag. Um, and, and, and we wonder perhaps if, if maybe we spend the time on that day actually understanding what Tingan's day is and the battle, uh, the battle of Blood River, that maybe we'd, we'd have a clearer understanding of what the day's supposed to do. I don't know. Maybe you tell me, Eliza. Well, uh, I think when, when you when you enter it from, from that kind of, of vantage point, it actually makes a lot of sense. But the day of reconciliation, my sister, as much as you might try to understand what it means and, and, and what it stands for, I, I rise to argue that it is irrelevant in this particular moment in time for mm-hmm. us as South Africans. We should stop trying to, to, to force reconciliation that is not there and uh, instead of doing that we must deal with the issues on the ground the issues that our people are, are, are being dealt with the issues that, that 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 the issues that speak to economic emancipation from there that is from from that point when we can start speaking on reconciliation so now i i don't even recognize the 16th of, of, of december as the day of reconciliation because reconciliation is is is, is a phantom concept as far as South Africa today is concerned. So now, now as a young thought leader, and I need to close this, so you need to maybe respond to this in 20 seconds. As a young thought leader, you have um, a 16-year-old who who wants to feel like they're a part of this country, and the idea of a day of reconciliation maybe gives them a tinge of patriotism. they, they hear you speak and they wonder, so what do you want me to do with that? So what, what do I action with everything you've said? 
Well, nah, my, mine is, is, is simple. For every white uh, 16-year-old that is listening to me speak today, go to into your community and spread the, the message of unity. Spread the message that the land has to be returned. Inform your people that the means of production have to be returned. And as far as the black 16-year-old is concerned, fight for your land, chief, because you, we, we, we have been relegated to animalistic existence, and we have to get to a point where we get our, our, our stolen goods back. Okay. You, you run the risk of being told that you are, um, you know, calling for violence, and that's, that's a very important thing. I need to note that, um, mm. because, because you run I, that risk. That's something you're going to hear. That is something you're going to hear. But, Liza, I need to let you go. Thanks for giving I, I us your calling, time. I am calling for justice, my sister. And mm. if, if the, those who currently own respond violently, then those who need their things, they have no other choice but to go with it violently. Mm. You're going to incriminate but yourself. But I am not the calling Liza, for violence. Liza, let, let, me, let, me, let me let you go. Thanks for, thanks for giving us a call. Thank Liza Mfana is a University of the Free State Fallist. Kamu, the 16-year-old that wants to action all these views that you've shared, what, what should they do? Reconciliation is an opportunity to learn, to unlearn, and relearn. So what we need to do as young people, we need to take a stand. Now I've got a question. May the real young leaders please stand up? Because we cannot just confine anything to the bureaucrats and the government. We need to assume our responsibilities as sovereigns of a constitutional democracy. And if we are saying that there is a miracle or some sort of a supernatural power that will come to save us then we are lost. There is no one willing to save us. We must save ourselves. Hmm. Mlambo Ernest on Twitter says if you want to prove it that uh, inequality still exists, just go to a clinic um, in a hospital just today um, and you'll see for yourself. Um, Samuelo18 says what did this day even mean in the first place? Hmm. So a lot of young people don't even know. Let's leave it there. Kamo, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Okay, thank you. Have a fantastic afternoon. Yeah, and you too, Kamarelo Mangena, um, an activist, a part-time male a feminist, I like saying that, a thought leader and a student from the Tabombeki African Leadership Institute. Just want to look at some of these SMSs that have come in. Uh, now, lady, you keep parroting the same rhetoric. You are spo- youth are spoiled, etc. Not all of us have had that experience working with youth. Stop generalizing. You see, it's, it's not that I'm generalizing. My job is to probe. That's essentially why I'm here. And I didn't get that from nowhere. South Africans say that. And I'm sure you've heard it from somewhere. My job is to bring it up and have you interrogated by sending in those SMSs. But thank you so much for uh, taking part in that discussion.